20 years ago, Odyssey changed the putting game when they introduced the white-hot insert. Now the most iconic, most played, and most sought-after putter insert of all time is back in the new white-hot OG. White-hot OG has the same mythical combination of sound, feel, and performance as the original, but with modern upgrades that are available in classic head shapes like the 2-ball, the Rossi, and the number 7. White-hot OG, legendary then, iconic now. See the new lineup at callawaygolf.ca. This episode touches on Canada's residential school system. The Indian Residential School Survivor Society Emergency Crisis Line is available 24-7 for those that may need counseling support. That's at 1-866-925-4419. The discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves on the site of a former residential school in Saskatchewan has once again renewed focus on Canada's track record on reconciliation and its treatment of First Nations peoples. The find is the latest in a series of discoveries since 215 unmarked graves were found at a Kamloops school site, drawing international attention on Canada. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Christopher Nardi joins me to discuss what led to the latest discovery, how the local First Nations community has responded, and whether people are starting to rethink early estimates of how many kids died at these schools. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Chris, in the week since the discovery of 215 unmarked graves at a former residential school site in British Columbia, there have been similar but smaller discoveries at other sites elsewhere in the country. But on Wednesday, we learned of an even more grim find in Saskatchewan. Where was this discovery and what was found? So the discovery was on what is currently the Cowessis First Nation. So to situate our listeners, it's about a two-hour drive east of Regina in Saskatchewan. And the Cowessis First Nation began searches uh, near a cemetery, a known cemetery, on their grounds about three weeks ago, on the beginning of June. Knowing full well through oral tradition and through memories of the elders and, and others who had resided on First Nations ground for a long time, that there was a series of unmarked graves in this cemetery, but there was no idea of the magnitude of how many bodies or remains may be discovered on what is essentially a cemetery that was attached to a residential school right next to it. And so these searches began, it's called the Maryville Indian Residential School. It was demolished in it was closed, sorry, in 1997. And the searches began. And uh, on Wednesday afternoon, the First Nation put out a media advisory saying that they had discovered hundreds of remains of Indigenous people in unmarked graves in this known gravesite. And then this morning, so Thursday morning, the chief of the First Nation, Cadmus Delorme, came out and put a number to it. 751 is the number of remains that they believe they have identified to date only or barely three weeks after beginning the search. How long did this school operate for? And what do we know about it and how the Indigenous children who were taken there were treated? It's actually a school that was open for quite a long time, Dave. So the Maryville Indian Residential School was opened by the Roman Catholic Church in 1899. And it was formally closed only in 1997. It's in fact one of the last residential schools in Canada to be shut down and was demolished just a, uh, barely a couple of years later. And now only the cemetery and a small part of nearby buildings still exist to mark the spot where the, the residential school once stood. 
It was founded by the Roman Catholic Church, but then in 1969, administration of the school was formally handed over to the federal government, who ran it until the Cowessess First Nation then took it over in 87 and continued using it for about a decade. But at that point, the school was really suffering financially. From what I understand, the structural integrity of the building was really lacking, and there were all sorts of issues, and it just wasn't a popular school to attend anymore. And so when it was shut down in 1997, it was basically you know, derelict and somewhat abandoned. But you know, for the long part of its existence, beginning in 1899, that school was run by the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Do we know how many kids went through that school over that time, or are records spotty? Records are definitely spotty about that. So what is known about this school is, in fact, that it welcomed students. Welcome. I say welcomed. A lot of students were, in fact, forced to attend it, as we know. Mm-hmm. But it, a lot of Indigenous students didn't necessarily only come from the what was then the Maryville Reserve or the Cowessess First Nations land now. But we're also brought in from neighboring regions, neighboring provinces, even from the north, including, for example, Manitoba and the northern territories. And the idea behind that and and most residential schools at the time was to really rip the child out of their community and rip, uproot them literally from their communities so that they could then sever any ties with their indigenous culture, with their indigenous community and their indigenous identity. And, you know, as we know, unfortunately, the idea behind a lot of these residential schools was to whitewash these students, to take away their indigenous identity and basically convert them to Christianity, to Catholicism, and in some cases really quite literally beat the indigenous out of them. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any particular records of how many students went through there annually or in total, but it's known basically that there were students from neighboring provinces that were brought and basically trucked in. And in some cases, one survivor was saying literally brought in in a cattle car wow. with a bunch of other children kind of herded like cattle into the school where they were basically kept. And it was very difficult for the parents to take them out. Obviously, the history of the residential school system in Canada is is horrific in its own, and these discoveries are horrific news. And it can't have been easy for the Cowessess First Nation to make the decision to undertake this search. Why did they want to do this? For these communities and for the Cowessess First Nation as well, a lot of it is just closure. You'll hear often from these First Nations who are undergoing and beginning these searches, uh, including the Cowessess First Nation today, They know that these grave sites exist. They have stories. They have survivors currently still alive who are telling them, I know my mother is buried here. I know my brother was buried here. I know a student, a co-student that went to this residential school. I know he died at the school and I know he's buried here. But these are unmarked graves. There's no indication that there are lying 751 people under the ground uh, next to this school. You know, the way that the Kawasas chief explained it is that for them, this is trying to begin the healing process. It's getting closure. It's, you know, identifying all these remains and figuring out who was buried where so that the families, you know, so that the spirit can get closure so that they can be released and the families can begin a formal grieving process and a formal mourning process and celebrate the life as well. And ultimately, you know, just know what happened, get that closure, identify the person, and then be able to formally recognize this is where they are buried. They have returned to the land. Now, do officials at Cowess's First Nation feel that the 751 is an exhaustive number that they don't feel they'll find any more remains or unmarked graves? 
the way that Chief Cadmus Delorme said is that this is actually phase one of the searches, and he does believe that more probable remains will be found. So basically what they're doing now is they're working in collaboration with a team from Saskatchewan Polytechnique, and they're using what is called underground radar searches. And what these underground radars do is that Quite literally, they call it a ping, but they ping spots under the ground where there seems to be kind of abnormalities, you know, that don't constitute what regular earth should be. And in a lot of these searches, like, you know, you can see if you go see pictures of this unmarked gravesite that they've spotted, basically you see this large stretch of land and you see flags planted where all these pings have happened. And these flags are planted in rows, basically. And you can tell they're separated by maybe a meter or two each. And they're in just very clear rows. So it's not, you know, is you're, you're not necessarily finding, I think, you know, dying pieces of wood under the ground in beautifully placed rows, columns and columns and columns of them. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they get these pings. And what he was saying is that as of now, over the preliminary searches, and they've done, you know, they, they've covered tens of thousands of square feet of land as of now. They've found 751 pings that are basically one meter by one meter area under the ground that is very likely to be a remain. Now, obviously, the only way to know for sure if it's a remain is to exhume it, which they are unlikely to do. But in this case, they're able to do other kinds of searches to just basically confirm that they are likely human remains under there. But he did say with about a 10 to 15% margin for error, they could be other items. So that 751 is basically the number of pings they have. It is very likely that those are remains, but there is an odd chance that some of them aren't. Uh, But as the searches continue, Chief DeLorme was very clear that there is a strong possibility that they find more. The Truth and Reconciliation report estimated that at least 3,200 kids died while at these schools, and some estimates as high as 6,000. But, you know, in the last month, at just a handful of sites, we're already roughly 1,300 graves Do we get the sense that the numbers that have been put to Canadians in the past are likely going to fall short of what the actual total is? I have to say, it's honestly hard to tell. And that is specifically the reason why these searches are underway, right? No one knows how many unmarked graves there are. They only have an idea of where they likely are situated. And obviously, they, you know, communities and First Nations have stories from people in their community of where they know where there are sites. But even the chief of the Kawasas First Nation, Cadmus Delorme, when they began these searches at the beginning of the month, June, he was very candid. He said, I do not know how many bodies we are going to find. He said he suspected that about a third of the graves in the cemetery were marked. And so there was obviously two thirds that were not, but that was only his best estimate. So it is really hard to tell. What we do know for sure is that there are thousands of these unmarked graves that have just gone over the year, either gravestones or markings were removed by government officials, by members of the church that may have run these cemeteries or administrators of the residential schools, for example, that has happened, including in this specific case in Kawases, where Chief DeLorme did say that actually a lot of these graves were in fact marked until the 60s, and then headstones were removed, which he said was is a criminal act. But unfortunately, it's really hard. You know, 3,200, as you said, by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is their best estimate. It's very possible. It's well beyond that. But thankfully, that's why we're doing these searches is to finally get that number and really be able to identify and get a good idea of how bad this erasure, basically, of history actually was. 
Since the discovery of the 215 graves at the Kamloops residential school site, the federal government and many provinces have committed cash to help First Nations search these sites. Has there been a response from the feds yet on this latest discovery? So actually, Justin Trudeau put out a statement shortly after the press conference by the Cowboys First Nation, obviously saying that it was terrible, terribly saddened to hear about the remains of the children and said, you know, no child should be taken from their families and robbed of their basically their culture and their identity. Since the the discovery of the first set of 215 remains of children in BC about a month ago, the federal government had fast-tracked a lot of the funding that they'd already earmarked uh, a few years ago for identifying remains, and they've also passed on, bestowed that money to Indigenous uh, organizations so that they can prioritize and figure out exactly where they should do the searches and, and basically kind of taking it out of the government's hand and leaving that responsibility as, as, as likely it should be to the First Nations who know where these unmarked graves are. So obviously there's been fast tracking. There's been a lot of talk about truth and reconciliation ever since then. But, you know, there has been a lot of talk about it in the past too, right? In 2015, when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission put out its report, there was a whole lot of talk about action. And a lot of that, you know, action died out, including the 94 calls to action in the National Post a few weeks ago. A colleague and I did a count of how many of those 94 calls to action had been fulfilled six years later. And the answer is less than 15. Wow. So there's obviously a lot of work to be done still. There's been some progress, but at a painstakingly slow pace in many cases. And so obviously, you know, here's to hoping that, you know, these horrific discoveries will continue to push politicians to do the action that needs to be done to, to start actually repairing relations with our Indigenous communities. There are more than 100 sites like this across the country. Are all of them going to be searched or are there First Nations in these areas who say, you know, we know what happened here. We know the horrors that happened here, but we don't want to take this further. I can't say I've heard of any who have said that, but I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure. Admittedly, I, uh, I've i started following this issue uh, a little more recently than not. And obviously, there are a lot of First Nations across Canada. And so I've, I've, I can't say I have my pulse on every single one of them, but there's certainly been a willingness by a lot of First Nations. I like to say a majority, a vast majority of them who basically have said, yes, we want this money. Yes, we want to find these unmarked graves. And yes, we want to reconnect our families and our elders and our community with these lost souls because uh, it's important closure. And it's also important for them to understand and know the scope of the devastation and the deaths in their community that were caused by the federal government, you know, by the church, by residential schools. They want to understand this so that they can add it to their history and their records of, of everything. And also for Canadians to understand what actually happened to our Indigenous communities. There's a lot of talk and there's been a lot of recognition by people that this was a genocide of our Indigenous communities. And I think as more and more of these unmarked graves are found, it's going to be harder for people who don't necessarily agree with the term genocide to continue arguing it because, like you said, there are thousands of people who passed away and a lot of people don't realize that. And as we discover them, these numbers, unfortunately, this total, this tally is only going to keep increasing. You know, 215 was a month ago, 751 this time. The next one could be a thousand and they will keep coming for a few years for sure. Support. This is That's obviously 1-866-925. In Canada, as you say, there's been discussion about reconciliation, how to implement the calls to action in the TRC report, discussion about Canada's role in our status as a country. But this is also garnering 
a lot of attention internationally. As I understand, there were a lot of international media who were on the press conference today with the Cowess's chief. What is the interest in it around the world? And what are media in other countries asking in relation to this story? So, yeah, there's a lot of interest uh, internationally. So as I was attending the press conference by the Cowess's First Nation, on Thursday morning, the first two questions uh, were from uh, one reporter from Spain and then one reporter from Germany. You know, the New York Times has a long write up on this and we're attending. I could see Al Jazeera. I could see it was on the call because it was on Zoom. The BBC is talking about it. I'm going to go on the BBC to talk about it. So there's a, a lot of interest because I think, you know, obviously, A, the numbers are enormous. 751 remains of, you know, indigenous people who were basically erased from most parts of history is not only unusual, it's unfathomable for a lot of people and as it should be. So uh, I think a lot of journalists abroad are kind of trying to reconcile Canada's perception internationally of, you know, very welcoming and happy and polite and, you know, apologetic country with what we're discovering now, which was obviously a a harrowing mistreatment and, and genocide of our indigenous populations. You know, the last indigenous residential school, as we were saying, was, you know, we're closed in 1996-97. So it's a lot more recent than we'd like to admit, I think, for a lot of people. So uh, international media are definitely fixated on that and trying to understand uh, what exactly happened in Canada's past and reconcile that with our international image. And also, I think a lot of them are seeing this work being done and are recognizing that this is, you know, it's important that Canada is doing so. A few days ago, Justin Trudeau criticized China because China was attacking Canada for our treatment of indigenous communities. And, you know, Justin Trudeau clapped back by saying, well, you know, where's China's Truth and Reconciliation Commission with the Uyghur population? So a lot of these atrocities and horrors are happening abroad and they're happening now and are trying to be brushed under the rug. Whereas Canada now is thankfully actively trying to kind of reopen those wounds and, and actually face our past. And so that will definitely garner a lot of attention abroad as well. Definitely a sad story about a dark chapter Canada is still reckoning with. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Nardi. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.